If you're up on Facebook this morning, you saw some of the things we're going to be getting into here this, today. If you are not, then, this, then you won't know. We've told you this story before, but there was an attempt to uh, dig the Panama Canal across, the, uh, across Panama. The first attempt was made by a French company, and the men and the machinery tackled the mountains and the jungle and all the things that were involved with it. But they abandoned the project because too many of the men were dying from malaria. The mosquitoes were a problem. They couldn't, uh, they couldn't really t conquer the mountain because of the little mosquito. Now, when you look at the size of the mountain, and the, or the mountains, and the places they were trying to cut through, when you, and you compare it to the little mosquito, it wasn't, it wasn't much of a comparison. But that little mosquito stopped them. The United States went in there and they said, we can do it. And so what they did was they first managed the mosquito. And once they managed the mosquito, the mountain wasn't a problem. They were able to get through all the mountains, cut the openings they needed to do, and uh, made a tremendous feat in the Panama Canal in opening that up. More men died to the mosquito than the mountain ever took. Sometimes in our life, we look at the big things that are going on, the big things that are going wrong, and we focus on the, on the mountains. We haven't always understood that maybe we haven't managed the mosquitoes. Maybe we haven't taken care of some of those things. We're taking, taking a look today at one of the laws of increase in your life, and that is the law of stewardship. We are called to be stewards. If you're up on Facebook this morning, I put a, a phrase that many of us have heard before that you need to be a good steward of your money. How many have ever heard that? Now, some of us equate that with the Word of God and put it on a level of the Word of God, like some people do that cleanliness is next to godliness. Ever heard that one? That's not in the Bible. <laughs> That's just not, it's not there. It may be a good idea to be clean and all that sort of stuff, but it's not in the Bible. Neither is it in the Bible that you need to be a good steward of your money. Sometimes we have disqualified ourselves and the enemy has come along and said, you have not been a good steward of your money. You can't ask God to increase you. How many have ever felt that? Anybody ever come on by and say you haven't been a good steward of your money? That's garbage. The enemy has sold you a bill of goods. And unfortunately, churches and books and all sorts of things are going around preaching this, teaching this to people, and people are coming out with the idea, if I am not a good steward of my money, God will not give me more. It sounds good, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound logical? Doesn't it sound like it follows a theme? But it is very wrong. And because of it, not only have we come out with the wrong conclusion that God will not increase our money, we have missed an important principle in the laws of increase. The devil so often takes a principle of the Word of God and sells people on the, a short of it. Just like he did with uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, he sold them on a bill of goods. What he told them was not a complete lie, but he brought them to a wrong application. Yes, if they ate of the fruit, they would become, they would know both good and evil. But it, he sold it to them like this was a good thing. He would become as God. However, we were not able to handle the knowledge of both good and evil. It was good for us just to know good. <laughs> that was better. And they thought they could make it and improve it. But that's not the, quite the, the case. The word steward comes, uh, now there's a couple of ways that we're looking at one Greek word for, for, steward, for steward. It means the law whereby a house is administered or governed. The law by, whereby a house is administered or governed. governed. That comes from Kenneth Wiest. It comes, this particular word comes from two words, oikos, which means house, 
and nomos, which means law, law of the house. So we put in your outline here, what is a steward? And this is why this is a bill of goods that people are trying to sell you. If you buy into that doctrine, then you do not know what a steward is. And you cannot take advantage of the laws of increase as far as the law of stewardship because you don't know what a steward is. You got to know what it is. If you don't know what it is, then you, you can't put it to the right application. That's why they have those infomercials instead of just commercials on TV. The infomercial is supposed to show you what the gadget is, how to use it. That's what gets you excited. If they just came up with a 30-second commercial and flashed it up on the screen, you'd say, ah, I don't want that thing. But once they spend 30 minutes with it, showing you how to use it, what it can do, you can get excited about it. In 1 Chronicles 28, verse 1, Now David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel, the officers of the tribes and the captains and divisions who, were, who served the king, and the captains over thousands and captains over hundreds, and the stewards over all the substance and possessions of the king of his, and of his sons with the officials and valiant men and all the mighty men of valor. A steward, well, we'll get into that in just a minute. Let me fill this part of it out for you in the outline. Stewardship involves substance, possessions, or things that can be owned. Stewardship involves substance, possessions, or things that can be owned. That's what you are a steward over. Substance, possessions, or things that can be owned. In, in uh, Genesis chapter 43, verse 16, when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, take these men to my home and slaughter an animal and make ready for these men will dine with me at noon. Now, how many of you can apply this to your house? In other words, how many of you have a steward over your house? Any of you have a steward? Can any of you relate to this? When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of what? His house. The steward of his house. Anybody ever had a steward? <laughs> no. Why is it that you have not had a steward, but Joseph has one? Why is it that David has stewards in his house, but you don't have one? It's a real simple answer. Real simple answer. Your house is not big enough. That's all there is to it. If you have a steward, it's a person who has a steward is a person who has great possessions. If you don't have great possessions, you don't need a steward. You wouldn't keep them busy. My wife has uh, been watching that, that show that comes on. I think it's one of the PBS stations, something like that. Um, I, I always get the name of it wrong. It, it hasn't grabbed me. But, it, you know, there's other people out there that has grabbed and you probably really enjoy it. And I've heard some of you folks talk about it. But so if I get the name of it wrong, you'll help me with it. Uh, Downton a Abbey. Is that how you say it? D Downton. Down I think it's Downton Abbey. I don't think it's downtown. I think it's down Downton Abbey. Is that what it is? All right. We've got people over here who know what it is. All right. Now you look in that house and what, what is in that house? I've seen enough of the show to know this. They have an entire room of stewards. They have the head steward the guy who's over the house and the, he's got people underneath him and then they got the woman who's head of all the ladies and they do all the cooking and they got just all kinds of people in that house. I think, I don't know what the count is, I don't know what the staffing of the thing is, but it looks like they have more staff than they do family. 
Is that about right? And the house is huge. Why do they need staff? Because they have a huge house. They have a big house. If you are going to have a steward, you must have great possessions. Otherwise, you don't need a steward. That's an important thing to know. Genesis 44, 1. And he commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of a sack. If you have money to go in a visitor's sack, who does it in your house? I do. Right? Why? Because I don't have a steward. If the lawn needs to be cut at your house, who does it? Sometimes you hire somebody, uh, but they're, just, they're not a steward. They just come in, they're a hireling. They're not a steward. They're a hire, or else you do it yourself. You do it yourself, why? Save money. If you could, you'd have a steward do it too, wouldn't you? Because <laughs> we don't necessarily like all that. Steward come in, take care of the gardens, do all the cleaning. I mean, wouldn't you like to, to have that staff they have over there at the Abbey place? And, they, and the house just stays clean. You walk into a room and it's clean. Why? Because you worked on it? No, other people did. It's stewards. Also put my cup and silver cup in the sack, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest and his grain money. So he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. As soon as the morning dawned, the men went away, they and their donkeys. And when they had gone out of the city and were not far off, Joseph said to his steward, get up, follow the men. And when you overtake them, say to them, why have you repaid evil for good? Now, who put the stuff in the sack? The steward. Who does he send after it to complain? And what's the steward do? He does it. Why? Because the steward of the house is there to do the will of the master of the house, not his own. He's not a slave. He's a steward. But he's there to do the will of the master of the house. I put this in your outline. It's important for you to know. I am made a steward of that which I do not own by the one who is in ownership. I am a steward of that which I do not own by the one who is in ownership. We have been made stewards of certain things of God's, haven't we? Because they are God's. I become a steward of what belongs to him. He has stewards in the house because his house is a great house. He has a great house. Great with a capital G. It is a great And we are stewards in that house. He takes part of his kingdom and he gives it to us. In the parable of the miners, what does he do? He takes what is his and he puts it into the care of these men. And they were to go out and do business until he came back. They were, in effect, stewards. We are made to be stewards of this. I'm a steward of that which I do not own by the one who is in ownership. Now, here's why this is important. When you have money that comes into your account, how much of that is yours? 90%. 10% is God's. God says 10% of, of that is mine, and he puts a name on it. We went over that, and that's God's. He doesn't say, we cannot self-declare that 15 or 20% is the tithe. God has said 10% is. Anything over that is an offering. You can give as much as you want to out of that, but 10% is God's. The 90% belongs to, belongs to you. Get this concept down. 
You cannot be made a steward over what you own. Right? It doesn't say Joseph is a steward of the house. It doesn't ever call David a steward of his house. Why? <laughs> he owns it. God is not a steward of what it is his, is he? Why? He owns it. The 90% that you have, you are not a steward of. It is yours. And as long as you buy into that teaching, that unless you are a good steward of the money you have, God will not give you more, then you fail to understand what a steward is and can't ever get into the benefits of what a steward should do because you have a wrong concept on what stewardship is. You are not a steward over what is your own. That's your own. How many have ever mismanaged money? <laughs> yeah. How many have ever gotten under guilt and condemnation because you've mismanaged money and you've gone before God and you pleaded and begged and said, oh, Father, God, forgive me, I've mismanaged money. Yeah, we've, we've mismanaged money. We've done it. And we have paid a price for it, right? <laughs> we've paid a price. But sometimes the enemy wants to get into our heads and make us pay more of a price. Like God is concerned, you, you wasted $2 on, you could have gotten that $2 cheaper. It's so much money. This is a God who makes gates out of pearls, paves his streets with gold, gold so pure you can see through it. You think he's concerned that you saved two or three bucks? There was a king in the Old Testament who made a treaty with another king and to come along and to help him. And God says, I didn't tell you to make no treaty with anybody. I told you to depend on me. There's a group you had to go out and fight before. I helped you with that. Why don't you think I'm going to help you with this? Now break that treaty. But we've given him all this money. He says, I don't care. I can give you more than that. Break the treaty. He broke the treaty, forfeited all the money he had given him, and then the ones he brought in to help him decided to side with the enemy. And God still delivered them and helped them. We, we don't serve a God who's concerned over dollars and cents as much as we are. God wants us to learn some things. There are some times that the cheaper item is the more expensive item because you've got to buy it twice. You've got to buy it the first time to find out that it wasn't as good as it was and then you have to go back and buy the better one. So you bought it twice. Sometimes the cheaper one's more expensive. Listen to your spirit. You wasted money by buying the wrong thing. I don't know about you, but sometimes I've had a thing, you know, sometimes something catches your eye and you say, oh boy, that looks like it'd be good. And down in my spirit, I just hear this thing, wait. Now, I could, I, could have, I could bypass that, couldn't I? But if I hear wait, you know why? Either the need that I perceive for the thing is going to fade or something's going to change. I don't know what it is, but I just wait. You need to wait sometimes. Listen to your spirit on the, on the thing. Because we all know we have taken those things, and even though inside, ah, don't get it yet, don't get it yet, and we got it. And we found out, oh, man, I wasted some money. You serve a God who is greater than any of the stuff you can waste, but depend on Him. Make wise choices. If you make a wrong choice with your money, yeah, you're going to have less of it. But don't sit there and get under condemnation that God hates you, God isn't, isn't going to trust you with anything. We make, we make some bad decisions. We make some good decisions. But that's not why you haven't come into a place of increase. The law of stewardship, the reason you haven't come into a place of increase is because you haven't understood the law of stewardship. And you're settling on something that's lesser. 
put in your outline, as long as I am, a, I am called a steward, my position denotes that another is in possession of what I oversee. If I am a steward of something, that position of stewardship denotes that another is in possession of what I oversee. Whatever I am in, whatever I am a steward of, someone else possesses. If you were to go and rent a car, you would in essence become a steward of the car because it's not yours. But if you go out and you buy a car, are you a steward of it? No. It's that simple. I put this in there for you as well. Stewards do not evaluate, they effectuate. When that steward was told by Joseph, go and put this stuff in the sacks, and then he says, now go, 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 get, go get them and find it. <laughs> it was not the job of the steward to evaluate. Well, I don't know if this is a good move, Joseph. This sounds a little dishonest to me. It wasn't his job to do that, was it? What was his job to do? Get it done. And what did the steward do? He got it done. Too often, we see ourselves as stewards of something of God, but we take ownership of the thing we are the steward of, which means we affect our will upon it instead of God's. Thereby, we are not a steward. You wanna, there's, a, there's a law of stewardship. And if you get a hold of the law of stewardship, you can cause what you have to increase. But if you misunderstand it, you're going to pay a price. Just like gravity. If you misunderstand the law of gravity, it can hurt you. Because it's always at work. It's always going on, and it can hurt you. God doesn't want it to hurt you. He wants you to understand these laws are there. The law of gravity generally is a, is a helper for us. So here's a summary. I am over, as a, as a steward, I am over possessions, not the owner. I am over possessions, not the owner. There's a big one. You've got to understand this. If you're going to become a steward for God, you've got to get this one down. A steward fulfills purpose, doesn't form it. A steward fulfills purpose, doesn't form it. Too often we are stewards of God, we say, but we're forming purpose. No, a steward gets the purpose from the owner. He carries it out. And this one we already gave you. It, they are effectuating, they're in an effectuating position, not an evaluating one. Don't sit there and evaluate. Well, God, I don't know if this is a good idea. Well, God, if I was you, I would do it differently. Well, God, you know, this, I know your word says this, but, you know, I would. No, it's not your job. Don't sit there and evaluate. Get out there and do whatever it is God has said to do. Now, we need to become a steward. I put this in your outline. I am a steward of a thing if it is a possession of my master. I am a, I am a steward of a thing if I am a, I am a, it is, I'm sorry, it is a possession of my master. First off, I have to be under a master. And secondly, I have to acknowledge it's his possession. It's his possession. If it's his possession, it's not mine. It's his. If it's his, what do I do with it? What he wants. So I need to find out what he wants, and I need to do that with it. Here's the second one. It is decreed to me. If someone has something and they decree here, I am giving this to you for now, for this period of time, 
this is what I want you to do with it. It's been decreed to me. I'm, he's not my master, but he's given me a thing. I've accepted it, and he's decreed to me what to do. So it's either a possession of my master or it is decreed to me. Here's just some notes. I didn't have room to put all this on, the, on your outline. If any of them strike a, a note with you, you can write them down. But stewardship involves substance, possessions, or things that can be owned. I am made a steward of that which I do not own by the one who is in ownership. I am made a steward of that which I do not own by the one who is in ownership. For one to be in need of a steward, the owner must be in the possession of much. It's kind of summarizing some of these things we're going over. For one to be in need of a steward, the owner must be in possession of much. They must have a great house. In order for an owner to make his possessions work for him, he must put them into the hands of others. Otherwise, they will sit idle, unable to produce for him. That's important to know. In order for an owner to make his possessions work for him, he must put them into the hands of others. Otherwise, they will sit idle, unable to produce for him. This is why a great house needs a steward. If it is a great house, the owner of the house cannot make all the substance of the house work. So they have stewards to get all the things that are in the great house working every day. Does that make sense to you? That's why a great house has a steward. A small house doesn't need a steward unless you have a lazy owner. <laughs> but a great house, they got so much things to be used, they need people to come along and to do that. So a good steward is a person who takes those possessions and does the thing the master wants and yields a return. A human owner is limited by time, strength, and singleness of presence. God is not limited by these, but the operations of this earth are given to man, and to man are given the resources of God. Of these, man is a steward. Now, if I am a steward and the money I possess, I am not a steward over. I am the owner of that money. And it is for me to do as I wish I yield my wishes to what God wants. And when God comes and taps me on the shoulder and says, Steve, I need you to sow an offering over here. I need, and I need to listen. And it'd be great benefit for me when I do that. But here, what are some of the things that God has in his possession that he has entrusted to us? We want to give you a couple of these things. First off, in Psalm chapter 119, verse 1, we're going to see the word is something we are a steward over. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with a whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You've commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man cleanse his way? How many times have we need to do that? <laughs> How many times have we needed to cleanse our way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. The word of God has been given to us. It is His Word. 
It never becomes ours. It is always his word. How do we refer to the Bible? As the word of God. It's not our word. We may quote it. We may believe it. But it's still not our word. The power of the word of God is the fact that God spoke it. God said it. God declared it. It's his word. That's why it's powerful. When we have it, does it ever stop being the word of God? No. So we are a steward of it. We are a steward of the word of God. He has given it to us. The, the, uh, in the New Testament, we have Paul who teaches us about the armaments. And he calls the word of God the what? The sword of spirit. We are to use the sword of the Spirit. It is the Word of God. In that particular instance, it's the rhema of God, the spoken Word of God. There is the logos, the written Word, and there is the rhema of God. We've got to take the logos, and we have ourselves need to speak that and make it the rhema of God. Anyway, that's for another time. Joshua chapter 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. What are we supposed to do with that word? We are supposed to make it part of us. He has given it to us. It is to, to yield something in our life, but it won't yield it if we don't use it. We've got to know it. We've got to keep it in our heart. It is not important for us to have man's opinions. It is important for us to have the word of God. To find out what the word of God says, get it in you. Meditate on it day and night. Don't let days go by and not meditate on the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.15 and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The Holy Scriptures, the Word of God is able to make you wise for salvation. It's able to do something for you. So the Word of God has been given. The Word of God is something that has been entrusted to us. And we are a steward of it. Now remember, what is the least valuable thing that God has given us to be faithful with. Money. He calls it the least valuable thing. But the word is something he considers to be valuable. What are you doing with the word of God? How good of a steward have you been with the word of God? Do you seek after it? Do you look to read it? Do you look to get under the gifts of the, that God has put into the body of Christ to learn about the word of God? Do you meditate on it? When you face with a decision... <clears throat> Do you consult the Word of God? Or do you just, well, whatever seems to be right. <clears throat> That'll teach you how good of a steward you're being. Here's number two, faith. Romans 12, 3, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So God has taken faith and he's put it in each one of us. We have faith. We have something to start with. We can look at people and say, wow, look what they've done with their faith. Look how great they... But no, be sober about this. Understand, God has given each one of us a measure of faith. Now, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? We want God to just increase it. It increases by us using it. You got to get out there and, and, and use the, the faith that you've been given. He has given to who? Each one. Am I in each one? And God has given it to me too, hasn't he? Luke 8, 25. But he said to them, where is your faith? Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. 
They had faith. It was put there, but they're not using it. They're not being a steward of it. In, um, in Mark's gospel, he tells us to have the faith of God. It's God's faith. It comes from God. It stays part of God. Have the faith of God. Don't get the faith of men that gets corrupted. Faith of men is dependent upon what we see. The faith of God is dependent upon what we hear, what we believe. And that's what we need to, to walk in. Here's number three, the gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to those dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I made known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of or differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So there are many different kinds of gifts. One has this one, one has this one, one has another one. But they're given for the profit of all. They're gifts of God. They still belong to Him. We are using them. He has given it to us and said, here, I need you to be this. I need you to function in this way. Here's the gift. Use it. Put it to work. Get going. Don't sit on it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. He gave them to men. Now, if you uh, live in this life and you carry out that gift and you do a good job with it and you die, what happens to that gift? God takes it and puts it on another one. He's going to find another one who's going to carry that out. And, and another. He told Elijah, Elijah, you think you're the only one? I got 7,000 people who can replace you right now. Don't be thinking that, oh, boy, I am a special gift. God is lucky to have me. No. He'll take that gift, put it on someone else, and they'll do good things too. But take that gift and use it. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to His will. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. He's put gifts. You have a gift from God to benefit the body of Christ. You need to use it. Don't sit on it. You need to use it. Well, my gift isn't all that good. <laughs> no, use it. How are you going to get more if you're not faithful with what you got? We've got to get what we have. And a lot of times what happens is it's not that you're going to get more. It's that when you start being faithful in the gifts that you have, the other ones begin to show up. But they don't show up until you start being faithful and develop the gift that you have. Don't sit there and wait for it. Here's number four, calling. Romans eleven twenty nine. 29, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For the gifts and calling of God, they're different. There's the gifts of God and there's a calling. God has said, I've called you to this. I called you to this. I called you to this. That calling is something that comes from God. It's God's calling. It's something that I'm supposed to follow. If I refuse, if I don't go after it, he'll put that calling on someone else. But he wants it for you. He wants you to go after it. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Sometimes we look at people and we look at the outside. We say, oh, that person's called. No, we're all called. God will use the weak things to confound the wise. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 20, Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. There is a calling that is on your life. You need to know your calling. You need to know your gift. Now, you, some of you will sit there and say, yeah, but no one's ever told me. It's not someone else's job to tell you. It's your job to discover it. 
That's part of growth. That's part of being developed. No one is called to tell you what your gift is. You need to discover your gift. You need to discover your calling. How do you discover your calling? By pursuing God. Because no matter what calling you have, no matter what gift you have, there's going to be some problems when you begin to walk in it. And if all you have is that so-and-so told me, you're not going to last very long. You've got to know on the inside of you, God told me to do this. God told me to go this direction. This is what God said. And you stay with it. Here's another one. Love. Romans 5.5. 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God, love of who? Love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God's love has been poured out in our hearts. It's there for us to use. When he commands us to love other people, when he commands us to love the brethren, what love do we do it by? His. He took his love and he put it in us. We're not here to try and love people by our flesh. We're here to love him by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is going to ignite that love and we can love other people with that love. It's a whole lot easier to love, it with, love other people with His love than to try and drum it up on our own. Jude chapter 1, verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Well, it's something that you can do. He talks in the verse before this, talks about praying in the Holy Spirit, building yourself up, keeping yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. It's something you've got to do. If you got out of the love of God, how did you get there? <laughs> I didn't keep myself there. You know, if you're driving on down the road and the cop pulls you over because you're swaying this side and this side and this side and you're going over to this lane and coming back over here and he pulls you over and says, you know, you're not maintaining your lane. Well, I'm trying, officer, but the road's just not cooperating. <laughs> it's not going to go well. Probably have you get out of the car, perform a couple of tests to see what's going on. No, it's your job to keep yourself in the road, isn't it? That's something that you need to do. Keep yourself in the love of God. Don't blame God. Don't blame the road. You've got to keep yourself there. If you get out of the love of God, guess whose fault it is? It's mine. I did it. We just go to God and say, Father God, I let myself get out of the love of God. I need to get back in. He'll help you. 1 John 2, verse 5, But whoever keeps his word truly, the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever keeps his word. You want to know if the love of God is getting real good in you? How good do you keep his word? That's how you can tell. That's what it says right there in 1 John. He tells us. Here's another one. Joy. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For the day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy comes from Him. This is a joy that the Word of God says is, you, you, we can't understand it. We can't understand the joy. It's a joy that's beyond our comprehension. Because we're joyful when things around us are not looking so good. It's the joy of the Lord. It comes in and it's your strength. How many of y'all know when joy goes, your strength goes? You're not as strong. But when joy is there, it seems like you can, you can do anything you need to. Romans 15, verse 13. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. Boy, that's good, isn't it? We want Him to fill us with joy. It's His joy. It's the joy of the Lord. I'm a steward of it. If I'm a steward of it, I use that joy for what He has said to do. 
Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Here's our, our, our next one, and that's peace. It is the peace of God. The peace of God. It passes all understanding. But it will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. It's the peace of God. It's His peace. Glory to God, that peace is on you. And let the peace of God, in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. you got to let it. It's the peace of God, but you've got to let it rule. It wants to. It desires to. But you need to because you are a steward of it. You've been given it. Now be a steward of it and let it do its purpose. Revelations chapter 1, verse 4. John to the seven churches who were in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Peace from him. Jude chapter 1, verse 2. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. And how many times do you see that greeting in the word of God? All right, let's take a look at something. I want you to see Jesus as a steward. Jesus was a steward. When he was down here on the earth, he was a steward because he gave up the great house. He laid down his deity and he came down as a man. And so he became a steward of the kingdom. So he's our example. In Luke chapter 4, verse 42, Now when it was day, he departed and went to a deserted place, and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. Well, if he just wanted to preach and have people come out to the meetings, he would have stayed right where he was. He didn't have to go anywhere. But he understood the purpose of the Father. This is the gift he poured upon Jesus. And he said, I am to take this gift and to use it for the purpose of the Father. The purpose of the Father is not just to come to this place. It is to go to other places. So that it feels real good. It's real nice. We're having a great time. We're having great meetings here. You all are hungry. You all are taking stuff. But I need to go to other places. How many of y'all know some of the other places you went to were not as receptive as this place? Our flesh might say, you know what? I think I just want to stay right here. But you got to listen. Matthew 15, verse 21. Jesus being the steward again. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came from the region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. And he answered her, Not a word. And the disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. And he, but he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What's he quoting? The purpose for which he was sent. Who sent him? God, who gave him the purpose. God, how did he discover all that? Did anyone come over and t tell him, all right, Jesus, this is what you got to do? No, he sought after God, and in seeking after God, he discovered the gifts and calling, and he discovered the purpose for which God had him here for. And he stayed on that purpose. This one was trying to get him off of it. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread, and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered and said to her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. So his purpose was to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she tapped into another purpose. And that was when you see faith, minister to it. And she showed faith. And so he ministered to it. 
He stayed with the purpose which God had. Sometimes, you know, we, how many of y'all know we, we get into, a, into things where we, we get off the Word of God because our heartstrings get tugged. We go into the Word of God. We've been through it many times with you, and we've shown you the things that we can pray for. One of the things that we can pray for, whether a person is saved or they are unsaved, we can pray for them to be healed, can't we? Because we see countless examples in the Word of God where Jesus, where the disciples, where other people went up to people who were sick, laid hands on them, and they recovered. Whether they were saved, whether they were unsaved, didn't matter. But sometimes we take that and we apply it all the way around. And you can't do that. How many of you know people that are in a bad way financially? They're unsaved, they're not following after God. And we just feel bad and we want to pray, oh, Father God, help them find a job. Oh, Father God, help them with their money here. Why? We veered off the purpose. Has God said that he can help people in their money troubles if they don't turn over their, themselves to God? Are they tithing? Are they seeking after the wisdom of God in their finances? Are they doing what God says to do? No. Well, then they tithe the hands of God. We've got to know these things. We're here to do the will of the Father, not our will. And I'll tell you what, our will can sometimes be very different from his will. Surely can. How many of you know some very evil people that if you were God, they wouldn't be here anymore? <laughs> right? Former bosses or uh, neighbors or just folks that are just evil just and hurting people. And if you were God, you would have wiped them out. How come God hasn't done that? How come God hasn't taken that person out yet? Hey, look at all the stuff they're doing. Because you're another, you're following after another purpose. Remember Peter pulls Jesus aside? That's what Jesus was teaching about his death and resurrection. And what does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the kingdom of God. We've got to be mindful of the kingdom of God first and foremost. What does the word say? It's a whole lot easier to take somebody who's unsaved and say, hey, you're a Christian, can you pray for me? It's a whole lot easier to say yes than it is to tell them what the word of God says. We need not to do that. Uh, John chapter 4, verse 34. And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's when he was at the well and the woman who came up and the disciples brought food. Jesus said to them, My food, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. That's food for him. Do the will of him who sent me. He was a steward of the commission, of the calling, of the gifts that God had given him. And he's out on this earth being a steward of it, realizing that all these things were God's. I operate in them as God has said I need to operate. So I got to know what God said. And he stuck with it. John chapter 6, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me. And everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up on the, last, on the last day. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If Jesus Christ came down from heaven, not to do his own will, but the will of him who sent him, how much more are we called to do the same thing? We've got to know what his will is. The law of stewardship is this. Understand the will of the one who owns the things that you are steward over 
and take those things and work them according to his will. That's it. You will be presented with a number of opportunities along the way to take what you have been entrusted with and use it for your own will. Use it for your own purpose. Use it for how you think it ought to be done. A good steward is a steward who says, no, this is what God said I should do. So I should do it this way. And you follow after it. You stay with it. You don't let up. What is the will of God with the things that he has put in your care? God has given us all sorts of stuff. If you want him to give you more, you've got to be faithful with what you have. You've got to be a good steward. Be a good steward. A good steward is a steward who does the will of the one who entrusted him. Jesus gave a story of a steward who was called a bad steward. He was found to be unfaithful with the things of the house. And so the master of the house came to the steward and said, settle up, you will no longer be steward. And so the man said, well, you know, I'm too proud to beg and to this and to that. I know what I'll do. I'll go and through the use of money, I will make friends. The Lord had some things to say about it, but he became a steward who was no longer any good because what he was doing with the things that were put in his care was not in line with the master. Are you doing what's in line with the master? Do you know where your gift is? Do you know where your calling is? You sit around and say, well, no one's told me yet. That's not good. You need to discover it. Pursue God. He's going to show you what it is. He's going to tell you what it is. He's going to open up your eyes so that you can see what's going on. He wants to help. He wants to take us in a direction that we can be a good steward. Your money is not something you are a steward over. It is yours. If you waste it, you waste it. If you invest it in then good things happen, you invest it in good things happen. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He'll help you. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He will help you with the things. But listen. But understand, a good steward is not one who takes care of his own finances. A good steward is one who takes care of what was entrusted to him but belongs to another. That's a steward. See how we misuse that word? We're missing what the whole principle is of stewardship. There are many things that we have that are still God's, but your money is not one of them. Not 90%. It's yours. You do it as you want. If you want to sow some of it, sow some of it. If you sow some of it, what will happen? Reap a harvest. If you don't sow any of it, it's all right. You don't reap a harvest. <laughs> you can do what you want. But there are things that God has put in your care. There's talents, there's abilities, there's giftings, there's callings, there's faith, there's joy, there's peace. These are things that God has given to you. What are you doing with them? Are you letting them sit around and be dormant? What are you doing with those things? You put in your outline, when I have the, when I have the stewardship over something, I have total jurisdiction over the operations until I am found to not be carrying out the will of the owner. You should always be found to be carrying out the will of the owner. Surely will. It's in your outline. I think I left that in your outline. If you missed that, it's uh, written right in there. But I'll say it again. 
When I have the stewardship over something, I have total jurisdiction over the operations until I am found to not be carrying out the will of the owner. Understand this. When God has put a gift, when God has put a calling, when God has put something in your hands as a steward, you have total jurisdiction over it. Whatever you say is what happens. But a good steward is the one who checks with the will of the owner, in our case, the father, who checks with the will of the owner and does with what is in his care what the owner wants, not what they want. That's a good steward. What does God do with people that are good stewards? He has them become steward of more. Joseph became a steward of a little bit in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar saw that he was a good steward. So what did Potiphar do? He gave him more. And then gave him more. And then gave him more. Until his entire house was under Joseph's care. And then he was in prison. And when he was in prison, the owner of the prison heard about Joseph, knew about his abilities. He gave him some stuff. And then he gave him some more. And then he gave him some more. And what happened in prison? He was over the entire prison. Why? <laughs> because he was faithful with whatever was put in his hands to do it in the way that the owner wanted it done. And he's, he's being trained up and he's getting, getting witnesses all over. People will witness to Pharaoh later on, this guy will do whatever you want him to do. You can trust him. And so when it came down to the day and the dream was interpreted, Pharaoh said, can we find anyone better? And he made him second in command of the king. Can you imagine a king taking a foreigner who was a slave, who was a prisoner, and making him second in command of the land? That is just astounding. Why? Because he was faithful with whatever was put in his hand. You want to increase? Be faithful with what God has put in your hand. Always be mindful. What has God put in my hand? I gave you a list here. I hope you keep that list handy. I hope you keep it mindful. You can probably add some more things to this. But this, this is a start. Here's some things to be faithful with. The joy of the Lord, the peace of God, the faith that he's put in us, the love of God, his callings, his giftings. These are things that you can be faithful with. Be faithful with it. How many of you this week had an opportunity to not walk in love. <laughs> oh, we all did, didn't we? We all had that opportunity. When you do not walk in love, in the love of God, whose will did you follow? Yours. When you walked in the, in the love of God, whose will did you follow? His. Which one became a good steward? When worry and anxiety come and you have the peace of God on the inside of you and you give in to worry and anxiety, whose will did you succumb to? Yours. Because the Word of God says, be anxious for, except for things that are really bad. <laughs> it doesn't say that, does it? Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God will rule in your hearts through Christ Jesus. Are you a, steward, are you a good steward of the peace of God? Are you a good steward of the love of God? Are you a good steward of the joy of God? 
Do you let people come along and steal your joy? Are you going down the road, praising God, singing songs, and then somebody pulls out in front of you in the wrong way? Do you lose your joy? Don't lose your joy. Be a steward of it. I am a steward of the joy of God. If you walk into work and you're all glum, looking nasty, and people say, oh, stay away from that one. Are you being a steward of the joy of the Lord? Uh-uh. No. What should you do? Fix it. People ought to come up with you every, every once in a while. Maybe somebody will have. Isn't it great when they do? They, they ought to come up to you and say, how is it that you're always so joyful? Do you never have any problems? They ought to do that. How is it that you never seem to be worried about anything? How is it that you're never anxious? How is it you never seem to miss a day of work? How is it that everything we put in your hands, you do so well? God. <laughs> Just God. You are called to be a steward. Don't lose sight of it. You are not a steward over the things that you own. You are a steward of the things that belong to another. It's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. There's a, word in, there's a verse in the uh, book of Acts. You are familiar with it. Peter quoted this, or Peter said this. He says, while it was yours, speaking of the land that the people sold, while it was yours, was it not yours to do with as you wished? While it was yours, was it not yours to do with as you wish? Acts, I think it's chapter 5. Not positive, but somewhere around that. Five or somewhere around there. You can look it up. When something is yours, it is yours to do with as you wish. When something is God's, you are a steward. And you do with it as the owner wants it done. If you are a good steward, you could also be a bad steward and do what you want with what is his. Be a good steward. Good stewards get promoted. Good stewards become prosperous in the kingdom of God. God can give you more gifts, callings, love, joy, peace, all those things. He can give you more of it because you've been faithful with what you have. We already know his, his uh, view of what to do. What do you do with people who have a lot? According to the word of God, what do you do with people who have a lot? If you listen to the world, what do you do with people that, that have a lot? You take away the, from what they have and give it to people who don't have as much. That's the world's way of doing things. What is God's way? What do you do with people who have a lot? Give them more. Remember the parable of the minus? Give it to the guy who's got 10. But why? He puts it in the parable. But why? He already has 10. Yeah, to him who has more, more will be given. That's out, directly out of the mouth of Jesus. That's his view. All these people want to tell you, take from the rich and give to the poor. They are wrong. They are not following God's way. God's way is, if you got stuff, there's a reason for it. I can trust you with more. Now, the rest of you, get to the place where you got stuff so I can trust you with more. <laughs> That's how he wants you to be. Doesn't just mean money. It means that we, the stuff we were looking at here was outside of money. Be a good steward of what is God's. And God can trust you with more. The law of stewardship, it's huge. It's huge. God is looking for people that he can put his kingdom into your hands 
and you will do what he wants with it. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's looking for. How many of y'all want it? I want that to be me. I want him to say when he's got something, oh yeah, look for me. I'm, I'm one you can give it. You got an extra one? I'll take it. I'll be faithful with it. I'll be faithful with it. You know, after a while, a steward, if he comes into more stuff, a steward needs stewards because a steward can't be handling all the stuff that he's got. He's got to have stewards. I think that's how the Abbey place is set up. You got stewards and under stewards. Nothing wrong with the kingdom of God being done like that too. You are a steward of the things of God. Would y'all stand up with me? Father, we thank you that you have entrusted things to us. You have put in our care things that you consider to be valuable, things that you consider to be important. The gifts and callings of God, these are important things. You have put them in our hand. Your love, faith, joy, peace, these have been put in our hand. Oh, glory to God. We need to study your word so that we know your will even more. And when we are faced with an opportunity to put your possessions to work. We know what the will of the Father is. And we don't do our own will, we do yours. Thank you, Father, for the help that you give us in this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory to God. Before we go, we wanted to read over our praise reports. How many have a praise report you wrote up that uh, didn't get it out here yet? You're pointing at one over here? You need a piece? Oh, we got one. There we go. All right, let's read some of these over. This has been a very, uh, this is from Ray. This has been a very challenging week, or work week. I praise God that he has blessed Grandview Hospital with many Skilled, there we go, skilled and God-fearing people. It's good to have those kind of people around, people that you can trust. That is a good thing. Phyllis, Jeremy was given a book, a, a book voucher, so his books for this year were paid for. I mean, all know books can be expensive. That's a, that's a good one. Extra work volume and hours this week for Phyllis as well. Uh, Ethel. Completed the first step in my vision, which was to register for the first class. Also did, did not want um, got classes to be on Wednesdays, and it's not. Classes on Monday night. So I just messed with Monday night football, I'm sure. <laughs> this is from Will. God saw fit to make a way for me and my family in spite of my health problems and facing homelessness. God saw fit to make a way. Thank the Lord for our new church, family, new home and my full-time enrollment in ITT. I didn't know what I was going to do after 33 years of doing what you love and being told you can no longer do it. Came home from Bible study on Wednesday and had a letter stating, first day of class, September 16th. See you there. And uh, that was the letter he had coming on back. So this is the one you need back. It's going to be up over here for you. So he got a scholarship to ITT. Um, he told me because he did so well on the test. And Alyssa and Nikolai have a little baby girl. We have a granddaughter. Yeah. Any other? I got another one right there. The Ekpays, Mercy, a doctor, um, doctor patient of mine, comments. He is 
more relaxed when I am on his floor. <laughs> Isn't that good? He can just trust you is what it is, right? Uh, and Jolly says, thank God my daughter uh, Nancy has an interview for a job tomorrow. Hey, that's good. That is a good, can I ask where it is? Landis, yeah, I know the store. Good, good, good to hear. Praise God. Well, it's always good to have these. Make sure you're thinking about these. If you want, you know, you can take some of these uh, home with you and write them out when you're at home while something happens that you think about. It. Don't, don't feel like you got to just wait to here to get them. They are transportable. <laughs> you are allowed to take them on home, fill them on out, and bring them on in. We'd love, love for you to have uh, hear what's going on with, with what God is doing.